Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology show that helps guide you on your journey for mindfulness, helps you meditate so you can manifest a more harmoniously flowing life. I'm your host, Aurora. This episode is all about the new moon solar eclipse and the sign of Gemini that happens on June 10th, 2021. New moon solar eclipses can bring about beautiful new beginnings for those of us who have planets at or near 19 degrees Gemini. But before we get into all that astrology goodness, let's talk about the sign of Gemini, Mercury, its ruling planet, and just get to know the energy we're working with on this new moon. Gemini is the first air sign ruled by the planet Mercury, who is currently retrograde in his home sign of, yep, you guessed it, Gemini. For those of you who are new, let me give you a little Mercury retrograde refresher. All planets, except for the sun, go retrograde at some point. It's part of the natural planetary cycle of progressions through the zodiac. All it means is that from our perspective here on planet Earth is that a planet looks like it stops going forward and then it goes backwards in the sky. And when it goes backwards, it starts to slow down and this is called stationing whenever a planet like kind of slows down to a stop and then it moves backwards, stations again, and then it moves forward. And again, this is an optical illusion based on our perspective here on the planet Earth. But what's not an optical illusion is the way we feel and interact with that energy on uh, on a subtle level. Typically, mercurial energy is felt through the ether first. The ether is that ineffable everythingness of the universe. It's not necessarily the atoms, but what's between the atoms is still up for debate with scientists and physicists. But from an astrological perspective, let's just agree that it exists. So mercurial energy will go through the ether to the mental realm and inspire us uh, and gets our minds thinking and in astrology mercury is a planet that rules wisdom we'll get into all of the other details of what mercury is all about later but um just suffice to say the energy flows from the ether to the mental realm to our brains mental realm to the physical world where we either do something or we are physically touching things you know it's like we're verbing or we are nouning with that thought um while mercury is retrograde however that it goes reverse. That flow of energy and information and inspiration, if you will, goes backwards. So it goes from the physical realm and to the mental realm to the ether. And so when that happens, um, it confronts us with a kind of change and change is never comfortable or fun, but it also tends to stress out objects which is where that energy collects during a retrograde cycle, which is why during a Mercury retrograde phase, it's kind of a time when things are prone to break. The things that tend to break are <laughs> things that are ruled by Mercury. Um, this can be modes of transportation, so automobiles, cars, trucks. That's what most of us are using to get around if we're um, you know, in a typical American city um, or suburb, but um, this could also be boats or airplanes depending on the situation. But generally transportation is ruled by Mercury. So is communication and to a lesser extent technology. 
Um, anything with small moving parts, basically, is ruled by Mercury. So this is why uh, astrologers say that, you know, you'd be careful during Mercury retrograde while you're driving, um, especially avoid using cell phones in the car. Just pay attention to the road. You're much less likely to get involved in a wreck or have some sort of unfortunate event befall you. It's easy to get distracted during Mercury retrograde, more so than most times because life can seem more hectic because things are breaking. But if you take that time and intentionally slow down and say, okay, this is my time to drive. That's just what I'm gonna do for now. And just pay attention to the road. I'm, I bet you will see an uptick in um, cars along the side of the road that are broken down, flat tires, inexplicably just pulled over. I was driving back from being out of town the other day and um, I noticed a state trooper just patrolling and it seemed like every two miles or so he had to pull over just to check on a vehicle that was parked on the side of the road. Like different vehicles all, you know, no, nothing major. Nobody had had a wreck, but people were just stalled out or something was wrong. So um, it's that kind of energy that is more prevalent during a Mercury retrograde cycle. Um, also, generally during Mercury retrograde, just avoid buying any new technology. Um, you'll likely find that it's not the best fit for you or it has issues um, and needs to go back to the store. You might need to return it or is just prone to being like needing more repairs. So just as a little refresher, Mercury is retrograde in his sign of Gemini and he went retrograde Saturday, May 29th at 24 degrees in the sign of Gemini. He'll do his backwards moon dance in the sky until June 22nd when he goes direct or forward again from our perspective here on Earth at 16 degrees Gemini. So what does that mean for you? Well, take a look at your natal chart and see if you have any planets or personal points of interest in your north node, your moon, um, part of fortune, all those things could be affected by a Mercury retrograde. And um, on Blood Moon Milk, uh, I've long been an advocate for self-education about your natal chart because really, Astrology can be an invaluable tool for understanding why you are the way you are and the things that are prone to happen to you and you can always, you know, book a session with an astrologer. That's incredibly helpful. But unless you take the time to familiarize yourself with your own natal chart and your personal planets, you aren't getting the most out of reading your horoscope. And by the way, if you're reading your horoscope, just word to the wise, um, or from the wise and something like that, um, read your rising sign horoscope. When astrologers write horoscopes, they have to place planets and houses. And if uh, you're not reading your rising signs horoscope, then you're probably going to think your horoscope is always wrong because it isn't accurate for you. So even if your sun, like mine is in Sagittarius, um, 
check out your rising signs horoscope. It's likely to be a lot more accurate for you. So for me, that means I'm an Aquarius rising. So I, I read the Aquarius horoscope and the Sagittarius one, but mainly um, the rising sign is a lot more accurate for me because it denotes where the houses are appropriately for my needle chart and um, helps me to understand when those planets will be ingressing and egressing through specific periods and placements and uh, can just give me like more bang for my proverbial buck. Back to Mercury. Who is Mercury? To the Germans, he was woed on. To the Greeks, he was known as Alipes. To the pre-Roman Etruscans, he was terms guide of the deceased to the underworld, and the messenger to the gods. To the Egyptian, he was known as a messenger of the gods, Thoth, and as such, he was the origin of the deity Hermes Trismegistus, or the thrice great Hermes. Uh, the three-part title comes from the idea that this person, this entity in Egyptian lore, Hermes Trismegistus, was reincarnated three times um, as the god of Hermes and Mercury in ancient Greek, but also Thoth, and then again as Hermes Trismegistus and under which he was thought to have been um, the Greek writer of great astrological texts and um, responsible for the occult arts, including alchemy, and the Egyptian god who invented hieroglyphics in the calendar keeping as well. But he was also a judge of the deceased souls in the underworld. To the Assyrians, he was Nabu, the herald, or the secretary of the gods. He was tasked with keeping up with the words of the gods, and as such, the keeper of wisdom and the knower of fates for people coming up through the next year. In ancient mythology, Mercury was understood to be the most clever of the Olympian gods and served as a messenger for all the other gods. He ruled over wealth through communication, good fortune, fertility, and thievery. Mercury could be a dangerous foe, a trickster and a thief. And one of his, one of my favorite stories about him just illustrates this point. Just five minutes after Mercury was thought to be born, he stole a herd of cattle from his brother Apollo, who was befuddled by where they might have gone because the tracks and the and the ground were backwards. So Mercury tricked the cows into walking backwards away from their their home and um, the two, the brothers Apollo and Mercury were quite at odds for a while until eventually Mercury gifted Apollo with the newly invented Lyra and Apollo gifted Mercury in return with the Caduceus. And that's the, that's the snake staff thing that you see at medical centers. Among his personal favorite activities was the corn trade. And that's where we get the, the words that we use today, mercantile or mercurial. Mercury is also the patron god of translators and interpreters. This is where we derive the modern day for proclivity and language we associate with mercury and astrology. He was also the guard of manual arts and eloquence, and as a deity of athletes, he protected stadiums, gymnasiums, and sporting events. As one of the first known planets in antiquity, Mercury's name is where we derive the word for Wednesday. In French, Mercury stay translate to mercredi, and uh, in the Romance language in Latin, uh, the Latin-based Romance language, it comes from mercredis. So, yeah, mercredi. Wednesday in English. Not really sure where the winds 
came from, but if you think of him as being the god of the winds, it was Wednesday, the day when lots of stuff happens quickly. Let's look at the mythology of Mercury. Ancient mythology has Mercury running all over the ancient world on various errands for different gods, and this is why we think of him as being quick-witted and fleet-footed. Here's a quick list of all the things Mercury did for the gods on Olympus. He delivered Zeus's, aka Jupiter's command to Hades, also known as Pluto in astrology, to release Persephone so that the morning earth could once again bear life. And another legend says Hermes later had a little relationship with Persephone. Um, another adventure for Zeus, um, aka Jupiter, his command, he commanded Mercury to disguise himself as a goat herder so he could go and sing to a hundred-eyed giant in order to get his disguised girlfriend away from the giant, his, uh, his lover Io, um, who is also one of the moons of Jupiter. Uh, she's memorialized there. But Io was disguised as a cow and was being secreted away by the the giant Argus with the hundred eyes, and Mercury was tasked with the the job of disguising himself as a goat herder, singing the giant to sleep, and then killing him. But he still didn't bring back Io. Io is just still like there. So I mean, I'm sure Mercury had his reasons. Mercury also delivered Jupiter's command to Arianus, Trojan equivalent to Odysseus, to leave his new love Dido at Carthage and journey on eventually to Italy where he founded the Roman Empire. Mercury was also known to be a first-rate teacher and he had many star pupils including the following. She taught the three A, winged female spirits who lived on Mount Parnassus, the art of prophecy. Mercury taught the curious Pandora all about the art of persuasion. He was a music teacher to his his stepbrother, Amphion, and Amphion later changed careers to engineering, building the walls that surrounded Thebes. Because Mercury taught so many ancients in Greek mythology, he is associated with the mental realm and being the god of wisdom. Essence in an astrology chart is the light between the eye, like the light behind the eyes, the that spark of wisdom, that, that life force, not so much the ego, not what you see on the outside, but that internal brilliance. So now that we understand a little bit about the mythology of Mercury, let's think about how those stories manifest into the sign of Gemini's traits and personalities. So let's go through the high vibes and the low vibes of sign of Gemini. Let's start with the bad stuff because it's, you know, get out of the way. Geminis like to mess around with people for fun and find particularly kind of almost cruel enjoyment um, messing around with people, especially if they know it gets under their skin. Um, you know a Gemini isn't feeling their best when they aren't talking. When a Gemini goes quiet, that's when you should start to worry because typically Geminis are the chatty Cathy's of the Zodiac, the social butterflies. But if there is a, a sad, quiet Gemini in your midst, you really should go check on them, make sure they're doing okay. It can be hard for a Gemini to sit still, to trust people and to keep cool under pressure. A Gemini at their worst will lie and they'll lie for their own self-benefit, they'll lie for 
um, for no reason at all. They'll just do it, like, because they can. It's unscrupulous and it's definitely not a, what I would refer to as a high vibrational Gemini, but I think our most recent ex-president is an example of this trait. And I'm not saying that all Geminis do this, but this is an expression of like Geminis at their worst. Geminis also have a lot of wonderful qualities. They can be alert and super incredible critical thinkers and quite brilliant. They can be wonderful social strategists, dexterous, and highly literate. Meditating is another skill that they're really good at, but it's hard to get them to sit still long enough to do it. Geminis tend to have a good memory and appear youthful and witty all at the same time, no matter what age they are. So let's talk about the new moon in Gemini. The new moon in Gemini occurs on June 10th at 6.42 a.m. at 19 degrees in the sign of Gemini. Shortly after the new moon occurs, the moon conjuncts Mercury, which to me tells me that Mercury is like in all of its keys to this new moon is important. And Mercury's big thing is communication and wisdom. So if you're hoping to access and, and use this new moon for personal growth, reflect on that. I'll go through questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation at the end of the episode. So again, the new moon conjuncting Mercury in his own sign gives me a feeling that this is a particularly auspicious new moon. This is a sign from the universe that it's time to think about the way we communicate. It's also time to reflect on how we tend to react to criticism. Criticism can help us grow in a lot of really positive ways that, frankly, we would never do unless it was unless it was told to us like something was wrong. I mean, if you're on a date with somebody and they've got a booger hanging out of their nose, it's hard to pay attention to anything they're saying because you're staring at their booger. You just want to tell them, like, wipe your nose, but you might not feel quite comfortable and then it turns into this whole thing where you're just staring at that, like, awkward thing when you could just say something, right? And it might be embarrassing for that person, but you know, it happens to all of us, whatever. Just, you know, be kind in the way you deliver your, criti your criticism and try to avoid being snarky for the snark's sake. The way we receive and interpret information is key to our personal growth, but if we're looking to grow, we have to be open to hearing the negative. This new moon will be a perfect time to express your feelings and your thoughts, so don't be surprised if you get a lot of messages from other people who are feeling kind of emotional or just needing to get it out, whatever it is, they're just like, <laughs> like, here's my feelings, here's my thoughts, this is what I, I've been milling around with. Don't be surprised when that comes up. Don't be surprised if you find that you're able to communicate and express your feelings with particular elegance and clarity. And this can create a positive energy cycle that continues until the full moon in Gemini six months from now. It's an excellent time to start working together on projects and also sharing a compassionate ear. Remember, you can support those who need to be heard by just listening as well. Communication is the key word for the day when it comes to Gemini energy. And I feel like this moon is doubly reminding us of the importance of open, clear, and kind communication as it conjuncts its ruling planet Mercury shortly after the new moon. The new moon is also square Neptune, which can make us feel kind of out of sorts. It could be a time when you're easily confused and you don't really know what you want or why you want it. Um, but Neptune is all about the subconscious and so 
it's, it can be a nebulous feeling. It can be a time when you're feeling easily confused and you're confused by what's confusing you. How confusing. The good news is that this is a passing phase, but if you're feeling out of sorts, try to channel this energy into something beneficial through dance, music, or some kind of physical activity that channels and translates this energy into something positive for you. If you're looking to try something new, I've found gardening to be a really rewarding and um, grounding activity for me. Notice my, my plant friend here. This new moon is also Quincunx Pluto, who is at the tail end of Capricorn. This could bring up some particularly intense and frustrating feelings. These feelings might just be starting to bubble up to the surface and we're having a difficulty expressing them and getting them out. This can develop more over the next few months as that this lunar energy, this cycle begins to grow, but we might first start to notice it during this new moon and it could lead to major changes later on. Pluto, whenever he's involved with a uh, transit, especially such an auspicious one, such as a new moon conjunct its home ruling planet and its home sign, I think that there could be developments from this later on down the road. So just pay attention to what comes up for you during the new moon and write it down. Keep a record of it so that when other things come up later on, you can look back and say, yep, that's when this happened and astrology was right. So that's this new moon. That's what's going on during this new moon. But what about the other planets, right? There's like nine of them. I mean, we still count Pluto in astrology, but let's just uh, recap for those who are new and might not know where they are at the moment. The sun, of course, is in Gemini. He'll, that's why we're in Gemini season and we're having our Gemini new moon. He'll slowly move on into the sign of Cancer in a couple weeks and then things will transition. But for now, he's in Gemini and he wants to socialize. Mercury, as we mentioned, is currently retrograde in his home sign of Gemini. Venus is in Cancer where she's asking us to pay attention to our more nurturing feminine side and our intuition. Mars is in Cancer currently, but he's getting ready to transit into the sign of Leo the day after the new moon. So when that occurs, he'll be in Leo until August 29th. Mars likes to be in a fire sign, so he'll it's a good time to actually get out and do things and make moves on projects because Mars is direct and a fire sign it can be a really creative time. Jupiter is very early in the sign of Pisces where he's getting ready to go retrograde very shortly, but for now he's direct in the first couple of degrees of Pisces, giving our intuition all a boost because of course Jupiter likes to expand everything that he touches. Saturn's retrograde in the sign of Aquarius currently, giving all of us early Aquarians uh, a dose of reality in one way or another. Um, when Saturn, Saturn is like the planet that kind of defines and gives our daily life structure and how we live on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so if you have personal planets in Aquarius where Saturn is currently transiting, you could be finding yourself being suddenly confronted with a change in how you live your day-to-day -day life. Um, and it, depending on your chart, I would have to look at the whole thing to be able to give you specifics on how it might affect you personally. But having been doing the readings that, um, that I've been doing recently, I've seen a lot of Leos coming in with Saturn oppositions to their sun that are just having a really rough time. So I'm sorry, Leos, it's not a lot of fun for you out there, but just know it's a phase, it won't last forever. Um, 
for me personally, Saturn is going retrograde over my rising sign. Mentioned that earlier, my uh, Aquarius rising is getting hit by Saturn retrograde. How's that shown up for me? Um, well, my, I was uh, released from my full-time job as a producer and editor for um, public broadcasting and now I'm embracing my gifts and interest in astrology full-time and soon I'll be uh, offering astrotherapy sessions in person in Atlanta and I'll just be an astrologer. <laughs> so it's um, definitely a change uh, to go from producing shows for the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra and other like public broadcasting kinds of content to getting to embrace who I really am and my personal proclivities and natural gifts and I'm in a more public way one little baby step at a time and this this version of the podcast a video podcast is the first step for that for me so be kind it's my first YouTube video folks and but not my first astrology show so Okay, next. Um, Uranus will conjunct Ceres in the sign of Taurus just after the new moon. Uranus is a planet that gives us unpredictable, ineffable surprises. Taurus, when Uranus is in Taurus, it can lead to disruptions in the financial industries. Um, and we've seen that, right? We've seen that over the last couple of years. The stock market has been like on this crazy roller coaster and it's doing well. Um, but I mean, as a global indicator of how this, the financial markets are doing, um, I mean, anybody who lived through last year will tell you what a ride. Um, but when she conjuncts Ceres, Ceres is the goddess of the harvest. So I think there could be, it, like Uranus is unpredictable by nature. So me saying it will be a good thing or it will be a bad thing is likely just to be the opposite of that. Um, but there could be something, there could be something big um, right after that and um, surrounding the world financial markets. Uh, I would say within a couple of days of June 10th because of that Uranus series conjunction. Neptune is hanging out in his home sign of dreamy Pisces, giving us all a little extra dreaminess to our day-to-day -day life, giving us more inspiration and just um, kind of softening things up and asking for us to get in touch with our intuitive sides. Pluto is still transiting Capricorn for now, and he'll be there for a little while. Uh, Pluto in Capricorn has been an intense ride. Whenever he's in Capricorn, he asks for us to um, rethink how we deal with government. There tends to be quite a few revolutions um, and just like revolts during the time that Pluto transits Capricorn. So that'll be, those are the planets now. And let's go into how we can use the energy of this new moon in the sign of Gemini uh, to like get in touch with what it is that we need, what we want to grow, to meditate, to help manifest that harmonious life. When I talk about planting seeds of intention, it's more than just a metaphor. 
Gemini season falls at the end of spring in the Northern Hemisphere, and as a result, flowers are blooming. When I think of Mercury and his flitting around in his role in the Zodiac Pantheon, I have to think about all the wisdom he himself hoped to impart. Here in my garden, the columbines are growing, and they, in the language of flowers, impart wisdom and intellect. The genus name Aquilegis is derived from the Latin term aquilia, which means eagle. And if you look at the back of the flower, there are these claws that look like eagle claws grasping as they fly through the sky. The common name columbine comes from the Latin word columba, meaning dove, because it represents five doves nestled together and has blue-green foliage as well as its blooms that are light and airy, having conical petals and a plentiful food source for pollinators like butterflies, and hummingbirds. Gemini is an air sign, so this brings me all full circle. Flowers can come in different colors, and there are whites, purples, blues, reds, pinks, and even bicolor combinations when they start blooming in late spring till early summer. What better reminder of Mercury could you have in your own garden than a plant that is visited by hummingbirds that flit around so speedily, drinking the nectar of the flower that represents wisdom and intellect? This is a piece of fluorite. Fluorite is my prescription for meditating with during this new moon solar eclipse. Fluorite is said to help with mental clarity as well as decision making. It's also been called a mental or psychic vacuum because it can help just to clear the space. And this is good any time of year, not just during Mercury retrograde, but it can be particularly helpful during a retrograde cycle. If you're gonna, if you would like to focus on a chakra during your meditation during this new moon, I suggest the throat chakra. However, Gemini rules the nervous system, whereas Aries rules the head and Taurus rules the throat. Gemini is actually the thing that connects everything so that your whole body can communicate. But if you're more familiar with chakra-based meditations, um, the throat chakra is a good one to focus on as well. But just as you sit to meditate, do take a moment to just understand and feel and take notice of how you feel in your skin. There isn't a right or wrong answer, but it can help to guide you. Here are questions for mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation during the new moon. What is making me nervous? What wisdom do I seek? And how will I feel when I know that I've received the wisdom? Imagine that feeling in your body now and just notice how it feels to be full of knowledge and the confidence that comes with it. Think about how you communicate, not just how you talk or write your emails, but also how you like to receive communication. How are these ways of communicating the same and how are they different? How can you be a more effective communicator? Sometimes it's not how much you do something or how well, but simply the brevity and the clarity with which you do it. How is your social life? Have you reached out to the ones you want to spend time with or are you waiting around for them to reach out to you? If you don't take the initiative, you might be waiting for a while. How can you make a better effort to be more social? Lastly, think about what good books you've read lately. The Gemini New Moon is a great time to make a reading list that can help you learn more about the subjects you wish to master. Make a list of at least three books that you could read by the Gemini Full Moon six months from now. 
That's it for this episode of Blood Moon Milk. I'm your host, Aurora. Join me next time. Thanks. <laughs>